This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com with your hosts, Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup at Backheel.com. Mark Fishkin and Dan Dickinson tonight for you. The Red Bulls, they played a match. A meaningful match. They opened up on the road at Sporting Park in Kansas City on Sunday night, fell behind early, came back, tied it up in a game that I think neither team was terribly satisfied with the result because I think the Red Bulls and KC both thought that they did enough, uh, created enough chances to win. It was a, it was a first night jitters and the first night working out the rust for the MLS season, the 20th MLS season. Unbelievable. Tonight on Seeing Red, Dan and I will go inside the draw at Kansas City. We'll give our bull and cow of the week. It's a little early to preview next week. We'll, uh, we'll talk about our guest next week later. But this week's guest is Brian Lewis of the New York Post. First time in a long time having him back on the show. We're very, very happy to have him. And then, of course, as always, we'll close with some super fan emails. So, uh, Dan, it was, it was a crazy weekend. I mean, there, there's never been a weekend where you could watch 10 MLS games from Friday to Sunday, and it was pretty good. It, it was exciting. I, you know, I had been sort of dreading opening weekend coming up, but it came, and the games were there, and they were fun to watch for the most part. Um, some good matchups, and yeah, the Red Bulls got, got back to action. They got back to action, and they were able to get a point in a place where, frankly, they've had quite a bit of success. They had some opportunities, but let's, you know, let's just go back. New York goes out with their Jesse Marsh's up-tempo style. It was obviously a little strange for a lot of fans to see Felipe Martins wearing number eight because I think there's another player that <laughs> supposedly had that number. And I'll tell you, I watched the match at the Red Bulls season ticket holder party at Red Bull Arena, and everyone was like, why is he wearing number eight? Where's Piggy? In fact, the, the bull shop was selling, during the game, number 22 jerseys with... Felipe's name on it, which was very, very strange. But nevertheless, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Mark. I'm looking yes. at the roster page, and it says eight is Felipe Martins. Peggy Lou, you know it doesn't have a number. Come on. I yeah, mean, come on. so Peggy <laughs> is is going to be Pagan, it seems like, who will be leaving the team. I'm sorry. Uh, who will be leaving the team. And uh, nevertheless, so he wasn't there. Uh, we saw the 4-2-3-1 the uh, uh, in full effect. What are your general thoughts on on what you did see of uh, of the Red Bulls? Uh, you know, I thought it was it was fine. It wasn't dynamic energy drink football by any stretch, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't a terrible slog. It, they had chances. The attack looked good in in portions. The defense occasionally looked good and had the historical Red Bull form of giving up a couple big chances as well. I, I thought it was a pretty typical game. I don't think it was a revolution from what we've seen over the past few years under Petke, but you know, it was fine. I thought Lloyd Sam's goal was beautiful. Um, one, of, one of the best I've seen from him in his uh, time with the Red Bulls. And it, it was certainly a soccer game. <laughs> that, that's all what? you can say. Wow. <laughs> well, and that's, that's opening week in MLS, unless you're the LA Galaxy. Or Toronto. You're playing Millard Fillmore Jr. High in the Chicago Fire, or you're Toronto, or you're Seattle, who made the, the Revs look very, very bad. Back to this game. Um, the key challenges that we were thinking about when we thought about the team was, A, on the back line. Uh, Ronald Zumar and, uh, and Paranel uh, next to each other did okay. Um, 
Obviously, when you think about Ike Opara blazing in uh, on a corner kick and uh, and scoring that goal, where neither of the none of the defenders moved, he went right down the middle of the field and put one past put one past Robles. You have to think that that's going to get better as the communication gets better. It was interesting. The wingbacks were so so active. There were times that the wingbacks were covering in the center of the field, and sometimes that the center backs were covering on the edges. Um, it was a little bit of helter skelter there, frankly. Um, it, and it wasn't until the later stages of the game where Dom Dwyer had had some really opportunities that he, he frankly should have scored. But you know, it's opening night. You're, you're it, it's very very challenging, even six weeks time, to have two guys build the kind of connection that you want. As we said before the season started, Perinel played seven MLS minutes last year in two games. Right. He he was not a starter, and now apparently he's a starter. And uh, obviously, the team's conceding one goal on the road is not the worst thing. It'd be a super improvement over last year, but there's just a lot of work to be done. There, there definitely is, and it was fascinating because I, I just rewatched the highlights uh, right before we came on the air, and I, on that Icopara goal, which was just a nice cross from Benny Felhaber, um, yeah. you know, Damien Perinel was out on the flank trying to to stop right. the attack. And when the ball crossed in, you know, I, I watched the goal a couple of times, and I'm like, who are those defenders on Icopara? Oh, it's Roy Miller. It's Roy Miller, and, yes. And Felipe, who's not a defender, <laughs> you know, but he's in the sixth trying to, you know, it looks like zonal marking, which is not going to work. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the communication will get better. But, you know, credit to the, the defense as well. You know, there were a couple of moments. Uh, there was a Dom Dwyer chance. Um, that looked like he should have just, you know, nailed it. Tapped it and, in, yeah. and Chris Duvall swooped in from outside and jammed him up enough to to make him muff the shot. Um, you know, there, there were moments of inspired defending. So I, I think it will get better. We say this at the beginning of every season. It doesn't, you know, I, I feel like this is uh, all well, by now. Yeah, it's a glaring weakness, and Zubar held his own. Yeah. Of course, he came out before full time with an injury. Uh, and we're going to see, they, they're saying seven to ten days. It's a, it's a godsend that the club has next week off um, in order for him to heal properly. But uh, he acquitted himself, I thought, fine. Uh, he's a big guy. He, he definitely is Olave-esque, if you will. He definitely has that imposing build. And it, it'll just be very curious to see w- what happens there. So m- moving forward, I'm curious your thoughts about um, the game that Mike Grella played. Um, it was, uh, mixed, you know, I, he had a couple of moments where he was coming down the side and looked like there might be good attacks, but generally, I mean, it, it's hard because when you think back to last season and you think who was on the left, yeah. no, no one's going to hold up, it, no. Uh, no one's going to hold a candle to what Henri brought. Um, so I, I thought he looked okay. I thought Salziza looked okay. Um, for yep. the bit we saw of him and, you know, I, I know Jesse said they were going to platoon and switch off and nobody's won the spot and maybe they'll both be on the field at the same time. But, you know, it, it neither one is a, a perfect option. So I, I'm, I'm actually OK with not having it settled yet as they duke it out. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, I mean, listen, Grella is a guy that um, couldn't get on the Cosmos. I'm not going to put it any other way. He played with Carolina last year in the NASL, and he obviously had a great camp. Um, uh, on the conference call this week, Jesse 
was very upfront about saying, you know, there's a little, there's, there, there's, there was a lack of some ideas in the final third, and I think a lot of that is going to, to come to guys like Grella and, and Sam uh, to make it happen. Um, you know, it was very interesting for me when you think about the job that Opara did on BWP. I mean, BWP had the crap kicked out of him all night. There was at least five or six times where he was hacked down really hard. And you think about all the goals, six goals that um, that BWP has scored against Kansas City in a very in, in those last four games. Mm-hmm. So you really got the sense that whatever happened, they didn't want to let this guy beat them one more time. Yeah, I, I think they're definitely circling his name 50 times on the whiteboard and, and – Peter Vermees is probably swearing his name up and down. Um, they, they certainly shut him down, and I think the the question will be whether, you know, most teams in MLS will know he's a dangerous goal scorer. Um, yes, I think they will have heard. And most teams will know that, you know, the, the service is going to be different this year without Henri on the team. So they, they may just be focusing on shutting them down, especially if New York is only going to play with one forward. Um, it becomes much harder to get the forward into score if everybody just gloms onto him because, you know, you've got Lloyd Sam, who is definitely quality, and you've got uh, Sasha in that middle role. But if you're if you've got nothing on the left, then it becomes a much easier defensive structure to, to block out the attack. Right, and that's the thing, right? If you don't have another pure offensive weapon, it's very, very easy to nullify a lone striker. Just ask most of Josie Altador when he's playing in England or wherever he was playing. Mm-hmm. Boy, he looked really good. That was really hard. <laughs> and it was very hard for me to watch that. It'll be okay, Mark. Um, It'll be okay. I know, I know. Uh, so New York walks away. With a 1-1 draw, and again, I thought it was a fine result. Uh, Felipe was okay, Sasha was okay, and uh, and again, a wonderful individual effort, a pure individual effort by Sam to, to score a, a very well-needed goal. And it came only four minutes after Kansas City scored, which was great. Really quieted the crowd. There were a number of Red Bulls fans at Sporting Park that said the place just, you know, crickets after that. Um, red card comes... And Kansas City pushed forward um, some bad giveaways, frankly, by Dax, as well as by by young Matt Miazga, who will continue to be called young Matt Miazga, I think, until he's uh, you know 25 or something like that. But you know, Miazga, <laughs> if Zubar can't, if Zubar is going to spend half the season injured. It's it's going to be very very challenging for this team to perform. It is, well. but remember that Miazga was injured for most of preseason, and he's not fully. He didn't get the six weeks that everybody else got. So he was playing with the USU twenties, though. So he was. It, it wasn't like he was uh, you know, sitting under a palm tree either. Well, but then he went to the the magical Red Bull training camp in Cutter and <laughs> immediately got injured playing for Salzburg or right. Or that's it right. Was. And yeah, he. I think he told me during media day that he missed a couple of weeks. So, I, I right. think he he'll get there. But um, you know, it, it may be rough if Zubar if Zubar's injury lasts longer than it sounds like it's going to. Nevertheless, it's time to wrap it up. So, your first bull, sir, of 2015. I'm going to give it to Luis Robles because mm, critical save early. Critical, critical save early. Uh, critical stop on Dom Dwyer at the end. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Louise looked good, and you know, while it terrifies me that he's already having to be called into action to salvage a result for this team, uh, 
he he was the best individual performance I saw. I like that. Um, obviously, when you have a week where you have a goal of the week candidate and a save of the week candidate in now a 20-team league, it's a pretty good week. So I'm going to give mine to Lloyd Sam uh, with a great individual effort. And, uh, you know, so I think that there's two fine choices. I think those are the, the, the easy, plain choices. So your cow, sir. Hmm, uh, that's a, that's a tougher one. It, it's very easy to want to give it to Roy Miller for uh, not defending properly on the build-up to Kansas City's goal. Um, so, because uh, I'm trying to avoid this year giving it to people on the other team, because not really yes. fair. Uh, no, although Don Boyer certainly would have deserved it for missing so many chances. Uh, or Beasler would have deserved yeah, it as well. I, I will give it to Precious Roy. Yeah. Roy Miller is being asked to do a lot more, right? Both of the wingbacks, I thought, were more involved than we've seen. I mean, obviously under Petke, Miller pushed up, but it seemed like he was really quarterbacking all of the play uh, from the left side. Conversely, it seemed as if Kansas City was really keying on Duvall. I mean, they were really going after him as often as they possibly could. Looked a little shaky early, got better as the game went on. But judging by the groans in the Red Bull Arena Stadium Club, I think it's right. I think, Roy, it's week one, buddy. There's one direction to go. Lavaca from Costa Rica. Roy Miller, you're our first Cal of the Week 2015. Woo! Um... Something really interesting happened today, if you are uh, looking at your email. In the middle of the afternoon, fans, apparently the league office sent an email out to Red Bull subscribers in a universe of New York metro area folks, asking them to come and buy tickets to the Blue Team's home opener on Saturday. That's ridiculous. And we heard of uh, a, one of Dan's Twitter followers actually reached out to Mark de Grand Pre, and de Pre, Grand Pre, uh, this uh, this Red Bulls fan said that de Grand Pre was furious and was going to call the league office, which is a nice transition to say that next week our guest on Seeing Red will be Mark de Grand Pre, the head of business operations for the New York Red Bulls. Dan, what? Uh, yeah. The league, the league is trying to create a. The league was so desperate to have this team. Did they really think that Red Bulls fans were going to jump out of their skin and go watch this other game? I, I think this was a moment of a uh, customer relationship management system going bad. Because from the Twitter responses I got when I brought up the email, I, I did get a couple from people who didn't have a team affiliation but did live in New York, and at least one union fan who also happened to live. Uh, around the city. So it's probably that they selected the geographic area near Yankee Stadium and ignored whether or not anybody had a favorite team set, um, which is probably a, a giant mistake when you're going to send out an email like that, especially when it includes the words, watch da David Villa rep our city, um, which just... <laughs> My response to the email and I pressed uh, reply was, you have to be kidding me. And uh, sent that off. But, you know, league office, you're going to get another cow for that. Because, you know, this is what you wanted, guys. This is, you know, you took the big check and you let the stadium deal go and you said, fine, play in the baseball park. It's fine. 
you know, don't expect fans of other teams to jump on the enthusio, uh, enthusiasm wagon with you guys as you get this thing going, because it's just not going to happen. The other thing I want to talk about before we go to break and bring on Brian Lewis in the New York Post is, why do we have a bye this week? It's a good question, and, you know, I, I guess that there need to be buys somewhere in the schedule. Why now? It's a wonderful question. It doesn't make so, any sense. I, Red Bull's not the only team that has a bye this week. D.C., Montreal, and Colorado have a bye this week. Then next week, Salt Lake, Seattle, Columbus, and Toronto have buys. Okay, so it, 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 I didn't look at who else had a bye, but if D.C. and Montreal also have a bye, right. it, it makes a little bit more League. sense because of Champions League. But right. um, And I guess you have to leave Colorado out because they would have been one of the opponents or something. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it. it it's frustrating that there will still be bye weeks um, when we finally have 20 teams again, and it's very easy to just book 10 games a weekend, uh, which would certainly shorten the calendar and maybe spare us some Wednesday games. I'm wishful thinking. And, and maybe spare us some uh, some FIFA days. Yeah, well, uh, you know, this is why we have a subreddit called You Be the Dom. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to log on to that. <laughs> You be the Don. I don't. I don't think I'm going to. Please be don't be the Don. Um, the Red Bulls, of course, are off this coming weekend. Take the field next on the 22nd, the home opener, uh, 5 p.m. on Sunday, the 22nd against DCU on ESPN2. But that's you're not going to watch on TV. You're going to watch it at Red Bull Arena. We're going to preview that game next week. I will. Let's just close with this. Was there any anything uh, the, your biggest impression? from opening weekend in MLS? Uh, I'm happy with the consistent TV times more than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. It's nice knowing that there will be two games, generally two games on Sundays, not three like there was this week, um, and a big lump of games on Saturday and one on Friday night. And that that that's some consistency to the schedule that I don't think we've had in a very long time, if ever. Um, so, so that made me happy. In terms of the individual games, um, most of them... You know, had a moment or two that were worth watching for. I thought Dallas's goal at the end of theirs uh, was was pretty spectacular. Um, DC got lucky because Montreal's goalkeeper just had a brain fart. Um, I thought the atmosphere in Orlando was uh, wonderful, and I thought the game improved in the second half. I thought Josh Saunders should have been taken out with a concussion, but neither here nor there. Um, and I didn't get to watch the Seattle game, unfortunately, or, or most of the LA game. So, uh, but it, it seemed like a good weekend. Ratings were through the roof. Uh, engagement on social was crazy high, and you know, good opening weekend. Yeah, I thought it was a great opening weekend. The one thing that I will take away from the weekend is the unbelievable crowd in uh, in Orlando in the Orange Bowl. And you talk about a, a part of the com- uh, part of the country that has been very, very, um, you know, just kind of remiss in terms of having their own team. It's been a really long time for them, right? And um, you know, truly terrific that that the uh, the fans came out and supported. Obviously, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in, in match two, but uh, Brian Lewis from the New York Post was there in Orlando and will give a personal account of how that team has jumped on, and, and it, it makes a ton of sense, right? Here's yet one more MLS market that's underserved by pro sports, and they tend to do very, very well there, and they tend to do less well in cities where there are 11 pro teams. 
So um, I don't know what like, city you're talking about, Mark. Yes, like this year. When we're back on Seeing Red, we're going to talk to Brian Lewis of the New York Post. Stay tuned, folks, at Seeing Red at Backheel.com. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. We're back on Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson. Tonight, uh, frankly, one of our favorite key members of the New York media cabal that has followed this team for many, many years and is always a fantastic interview on Seeing Red. It's Brian Lewis of the New York Post. How are you tonight, Brian? Doing fine. Doing fine. Hope you guys are well. We are well, and thank you so much for joining us. It's been too long. Uh, I, I just like your top line impressions on what you thought of the overall effort and result the Red Bulls had out in Kansas City. Uh, I was impressed with the effort. Uh, the result an a, an a for effort then is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, a, say a minus for effort. Uh, right. I'd say the result a point on the road against a team that is historically quite good. I would also say that's a positive. Uh, it wasn't the prettiest game. Uh, and they probably are going to come away thinking we could have played better and maybe should have played better. But uh, I'm sure if you asked them in the beginning, would I take a point on the road at Kansas City? Yes, I think they would have. Brian, uh, how much did it worry you or did it not worry you since it's still the first game that Bradley seemed to be on an island, didn't get a shot? I think Matt Miazga had more shots than him over the course of the game. Should should anybody be worried? Uh, if I looked and I said, what are the negatives from this game? Yes, I would say, and those go hand in hand. The fact Bradley was on an island and you failed to dominate the midfield, which is supposedly your strength. Yes, that's probably the most glaring negative for me. That's the way the team is built. The team's not really built to supplement. They have to provide service for him. He's going to have to score, and they're going to have to provide service, and that's why they claim they went out and they got Felipe, and that's why you have Sasha. And frankly, the midfield had a hard time holding on to the ball, much less facilitating for Bradley Wright Phillips. So that would be a glaring concern for me, yes. Not one that can't be fixed with time, but it would, certainly would be a concern for me going forward and my biggest uh, my biggest focus and where I'm putting my energy. Do you think that Jesse maybe should start planning for the future of maybe bringing in a second striker who could play up top and switching to, to two up top, or should they stick with this, uh, leaving Bradley as the sole forward? Well, when you say playing a second striker, are you talking about with – the roster that you have, or are you saying that that should be something they should be looking for in the summer to add? I, 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 I think just, it would be difficult to do it with the roster they have right now. <laughs> okay. That's what I was going to say. No disrespect to anybody that's on the roster, uh, no, but I don't see a second striker on this roster that's going to help you win, frankly. So uh, I think, and they've they've said this before uh, multiple times, both, both of them, um, I think that they're looking to see what this team looks like over the first, what have you, 10, 15 games and making their judgment. And they have enough, they will have roster space and money to go out and supplement that and add to that. Uh, I don't think this is a situation where they went in thinking that they had this perfect team where nothing would be tinkered with. I think the expectation is that, that they're going to stand with what they have 
step back, look, and give this a few months. That way they can make an educated decision on what they want, and they think they have enough wherewithal and enough money to go out and add to help fill kind of holes that they're going to have throughout the roster. But before we go and uh, jump ahead to this to summer transfer window, though, I do want to spend a little more time talking about the newcomers to the team. Of course, the team started seven new players and eight players that didn't start against New England because, of course, uh, in the playoffs, because, of course, Bradley was suspended. Uh, who stood out for you as someone that uh, will pay dividends for this team and maybe who's someone that you thought perhaps underachieved? Well, uh, in typical Metro fashion, where I look and I see a positive, there's a negative <laughs> surrounding it. Uh, Zubar was good. Uh, and I was not one of these people that expected either one side of the spectrum for him. I, I wanted to see him before I could make any kind of educated judgment. And frankly, I liked what I saw from him, uh, at least the 77 minutes that I saw from him. Right. But... Hence, we're talking 77 minutes, not 90. Uh, so he's out with a hamstring injury. He had a hamstring injury last season. That cost him a month. We can only hope that this one will not cost him a month. Uh, they seem to think that this is 7 to 10 days. So they had all Tuesday off the rest. We'll see. Uh, if it's a 7-day injury and they have a bye, by the way, what's up with that? Uh, they have a bye this early, then fine. If he's back playing the way he played in the opener, then that's a positive. If this turns out to be a month, that's problematic. Uh, but off the hand, that's, that's somebody that impressed me. Um, Felipe can be better than what we saw. I'm not saying he's poor, but I'm saying there is more in him than what we saw. And... Sasha, frankly, I, I don't know that he really imposed his will all that much in this game. But again, we also know what he's capable of being. Uh, I think both of them are going to have to be closer to that end, in other words, what they're capable of being, than what they were the other day. Sasha, particularly. Mm. Uh, Brian, looking ahead, again, the team does have a bye next week, and then they're home against D.C., did you get a chance to see the D.C. Montreal game this weekend and have any unfortunately, thoughts on how they were <laughs> Unfortunately, I did not. Uh, I saw none of D.C. Montreal. Uh, most, of my, most of my soccer watching was confined to uh, seeing the blue team play live and uh, then watching replays from the red team. The blue team play live. You were in Orlando? I was in Orlando. And, um, you know, not to distract too much from the task at hand, but maybe you could just talk about Orlando as a soccer market and what you saw there, because I, I, I can't imagine it would be hard to come away anything but very, very impressed. I was truly impressed with what they did. I really was. Uh, Saturday night, they had a, for lack of a better term, a con an outdoor concert pep rally with 3,000 people there. Everywhere you went through town, they was purple. More purple than you could possibly imagine at a Prince concert. I mean, it looked like an LSU <laughs> game. It really, truly did. Uh, in the stadium, the atmosphere was very solid, 62,000-plus solid TV ratings. And frankly, for an expansion team, not a bad team. Uh, so, I, yeah, I was, I was very impressed with what I saw from Orlando as a market, yes. Uh, let's turn our attention a little bit to um, 
you know, the attacking players. It seemed, you know, obviously Lloyd had a great individual effort that generated the goal that tied the match. Very curious about what you thought about the left side platoon, if you will, of Grella and Salzizzo, two newcomers to the team. That's something that's going to have to be improved upon. And I don't necessarily mean necessarily that they have to get a new player or this or that, but there needs to be more productivity from that side. Now, I know that there are those that will question whether that tandem can be more productive. I don't know. Um, but when you consider that Lloyd Sam is not an unknown entity, uh, people know him, people will be sure. prepared for him, and they were, there were a number of times where they made an effort to switch the ball to the other side of the field, and they tried to attack from the left, and... Grella frequently had one-on-one opportunities and just didn't seem explosive enough to take advantage of them. I'm not saying he can't because, again, I haven't seen enough of him to say that he's incapable of doing so. But I do know there needs to be more production coming from that side. Well, I think think he knows that he doesn't have explosive speed, as you said. (laughs) And, And obviously there was that sequence that actually generated in a very good chance on a corner counter in um, in the first half where he pulled up, yes. waited for his teammate to shoot down the left and then get it to him, yes. knowing full well that I guess he wasn't <laughs> going to be able to leg it all the way down the field with a guy on his back. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Marsh had said that the two players will platoon and possibly be on the field at the same time at some point. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that develops. Well, yes. Uh, clearly, those two are going to be put in a position of significant responsibility, uh, especially because you don't have, you no longer have the perspective option of putting Felipe on the left and having Sasha play in that number eight role, and having Peggy as a withdrawn striker slash number ten because Peggy will be retiring. So that means one or the other, either Grella or you know, either Grella or Zizzo or both, are going to have to step up because they're going to have a lot of responsibility on their shoulders. Just to touch on Peggy a little further, have you heard definitively that he's retiring, or have you spoken to him at all? As far as my sources have told me, and this is what I was told on Friday, that he is retiring. Uh, he is retiring, and the only thing standing between him and retirement officially is for him to fill out paperwork. Uh, he was supposed to be at their training facility Friday to fill out this paperwork and did not come to do so. I don't know. Is it possible that he is having second thoughts and that's why he hadn't filled it out? I, I, that I don't know. But as far as I'm led to believe, his mind is made up and has been made up uh, since last week and that he is set on retiring and riding off into the sunset. It's a very curious case when you consider that Piggy went all through training camp with this team. And I don't know if there was a, it was a situation where there was a sit-down with Marsh who said, this is how many minutes you can expect this year. Um, obviously, he's, he's still under contract, so it just seems kind of odd to make that decision the first week of March, 
rather than get yourself into shape and go completely through a training camp and only then the week before the season decide, oh, yeah, no, no, in fact, I'm not coming. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, considering, one, he's 35 years old, and two, he's, he's not without means. I mean, he got paid copious sums of money while he was in France. He's not broke. Uh, he even, in essence, owns – now, granted, I don't want to make it sound like he owns France's version of ESPN, but, I mean, he does have his own television network. He's not broke. He doesn't need money. This right. was just literally playing for the love of the game. Yep. Uh, so I thought there was a very reasonable chance that he would retire at the end of last season. Uh, I don't know. I'm not privy to all of his conversations with Marsh. I can only assume that, yes, a conversation took place and Marsh said either, A, this is how much playing time you can expect to get, and he decided that wasn't enough for him, or, and since Peggy is enough, is is a fair and honest guy, he mm-hmm. went to Marsh and said, I don't know my if heart- I can do this physically yeah. again. Yeah, I would like it. to try, though. I would like to give it one more shot and go through camp and see if I think my body can handle this. Right. And maybe came to the decision and, you know, believe me, the, the heat down <laughs> south will change people's opinions when you're going through training camp. <laughs> he may have decided, I can't, I can't put myself through this. I don't right. know. It is probably one of those two. But... I'm led to believe, I was led to believe Friday and Saturday and Sunday and as late as Monday that he that his heart was set on retiring. So that's what I'm assuming is going to happen. Interesting. All right, so before we let you go, Brian, and, and of course we will absolutely hold, hold you to it. Uh, we haven't, <laughs> didn't get a chance to talk during the preseason, and now it's almost cheating, right, because we have one game in the hopper and we've seen exactly who is showing up for this team and uh, the kind of uh, ball up-tempo play that uh, Jesse Marsh had wanted to put together. By the way, did, 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 would you agree that the play was up-tempo? I would. I agree that it yeah. was, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so th- this team only has to be better than four other teams in the East to make a playoff spot. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you right now, is this a playoff mm. team in 2015? Mm, that's a good one. I think when you asked me this last year, I think I said that they would be fourth in the East. And look, that that. and look at that. And look at that. This year, goodness. I'm going to hedge. I'm thinking that the red and blue squads will be sixth and seventh in the East. I am really torn as to which one is sixth and which one is seventh. Uh, I'm going to go with Red Bulls sixth and NYFC seventh. And I am leaving open the possibility, however, that one of those teams – probably the latter, would be adding a significant piece in the summer. And I don't right. mean Lamport. I mean another Someone significant else. piece. Well, if that I, happens, I, I, I reserve the right to flip-flop and go New York City FC 6 and Red Bull 7. Well, and as we said during this interview, uh, Brian, the Red Bulls also have the ability. They certainly have the resources and room under the cap to do it as well. So let's just say right now, 6th and 7th, New York six. Uh, other guys seventh, and we'll revisit during the summer transfer window, and we'll see where we go. Sound good? That sounds fair. 
All right. Brian Lewis can be read covering the New York Red Bulls every day, or so it seems, in the New York Post at nypost.com. Brian, we will have you back soon. It's been too long. Thanks for joining us tonight. No problem. Anytime, fellas. Your emails after this at seeingred at backheel.com. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, New York Soccer Roundup, Dan Dickinson, Mark Fishkin, Backheel.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter. Find us, like us, follow us. It's all good stuff. It's Red Bull Soccer. Season has finally begun. The 20th season. Absolutely crazy town. It's the 20th season of MLS. Please write us emails. Now, there's a game every week, well, except this coming weekend, to react to. When you watch the game, you have thoughts, put them down, put them in an email, the seeing red, and why at Gmail. We read them, and that's how this works. It's really quite simple. Here is Greg Gomez, fan of the show. Mark Dave Dan, or Mark and Dan. This week, I've noticed how some people have stopped praising you at the beginning of emails. This must change. Come on, people. Show some gosh darn love, will you? Well done. Now, the important matter of hand. I've noticed something odd. Did you know that this will be the 202nd episode of Seeing Red? I I did know that. Did you also know that 202 is the area code for Washington, D.C.? I knew that as well. And we all know our first home match is against D.C. on the 22nd on ESPN2, which will also be both teams' number two league match. The two teams had a bye week in week two. This is too much. And therefore, I predicted 2-2 draw. I really should get out more, says Greg. But anyway, what do the three of you predict for the DC match? Not just score-wise, what will the South Ward do? Will they protest? What will the attendance be? Will Petke be honored? Will the New York media even care? Too legit. Too legit to quit. Greg Gomez. I should have read this email second. I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That was no, wonderful. No, you should have read it first. It's, oh, it's man. It's much better reading right. it first. All right. So let's not, 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 let's not talk about score-wise. Sure. But here we are uh, 12 days away from the match. That's got a two in it. It does. What, uh, what, do, you, what do you think it's going to be like? It'll be the first game in the post-Petke era. Um, sadly, the team will not have another game to generate momentum. I, I you know. They didn't look awful in Kansas City. There's work to do, but I think they certainly look passable. So what kind of a crowd do you think we're going to find on the 22nd? Uh, I think it will be a good crowd. Define good. Uh, 22. Really? Just to to screw with Greg. (laughs) Right, 22,222. I I don't think it'll be a sellout because this team always struggles in March and April because the weather's cold and Jersey's far and boo-hoo-hoo. Um, but I think it'll be a, a good, you know, the, the team normally manages to sell a reasonable number of tickets when DC is coming to town. Um, it is the home opener, and I think there is reasonable excitement for the team coming back, um, but perhaps not. We'll see. I think the South Ward will uh, probably be grumbly, and we'll, we'll see. We'll take it as a temperature read for the season as a whole. Um, and I think the media will, will certainly show up, but I think it's going to be framed through the eyes of what happened the week prior at Yankee Stadium. And I think that is going to be the real challenge for the Red Bulls this year is to not not seem like they're just uh, following behind and trying to live up to somebody else's measurement. They've got to be able to define their own success. 
here's here's what I think is going to happen. I think there's going to be between thirteen and fifteen thousand people there. I think the announced attendance will be seventeen, eighteen thousand. Oh, I, I was talking I, announced. I was. You were talking about okay, fine. I I think it's going to be a very sparsely attended crowd. I I have absolutely no knowledge that I can share about what the South Ward might do to express their displeasure in the change with Petke. Um, I will tell you that a large TFO is being planned. Uh, I will tell you that. Um, there are members that are considering doing lots of different things. So there may be stretches of the game that are very quiet. There may be stretches of the game where people may not be in their seats. Um, you have to believe that the Red Bull out people will be out and about uh, trying to push their message uh, to Red Bull fans who will be arriving. So, uh, And I think there are going to be thousands of folks that bought season tickets that will not use them. And I think barring the announcement of some sort of mid-season friendly against a, an, an upper echelon team, uh, this is something, unless the team goes on a big winning streak, that might be the case for a lot this year, right? Uh, think about being a semi-casual fan for a minute, and I know that there are a lot of rabid fans, very passionate fans that listen to the show. Think about this, there's no Henri and there's no Cahill and there's no Petke and the team is not brought in, quote-unquote, the entertainer that this team is looking to have. And I mean that absolutely no knock on Sasha Kleschen, who is probably the highest profile signing of the year. But he's not a known quantity and he's not an international superstar. And I think a lot of people, you know, are probably going to say no thanks. And I think it's going to show in the stands. It's definitely possible. Uh, I will just, in what's going to turn into a recurring segment of Dan gives advice to the South Ward, I have no problem. Wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah, does it need theme music? Dan gives advice to the South Ward. Now I never want to do this again. I will say that whatever happens in that first match is going to set the tone for a lot of narratives over the course of the season. And if it's... 90 minutes of protest, um, that's a bad look, particularly to the media, who you're going to get a lot of market sports media and, and people who don't normally attend these games who are going to come out to, yeah. do the, to file their comparison. Story. Right. And if right. Yankee Stadium, God forbid, is rocking and rolling and Red Bull Arena is 90 minutes of silence or, you know. Yep. F bomb chant, you know, it's that's going to leave a mark. So, um, not saying you can't protest, not saying don't protest. I, I totally get it. Um, just consider it. Just consider protesting respectfully. Just yeah, something. I don't. Just keep it. Next keep letter. It keep it clean. Next letter. Justin Bright, Bill, Mark, Dan, Dave. I don't know about you all, but I think this is going to be the most fun Red Bull season in years. Why? Because first time in years, there's no reason oh boy. we should we should win anything. I'll love Tierra Henry in an awkward way till the day I die. But the fact that we didn't win two to three MLS Cups with him leading the line leading the line is so so very sad. This year he's gone, and we kind of look like a regular MLS team. I'm going to enjoy the out of nowhere playoff run that no one expected. Thanks for the show, y'all. Justin Brightbill from Scumland. Justin is in Scumland. Um. Yeah, I, I I think it's fair to say that the yoke of expectation is nowhere near this team right now. I I would agree, but 
it's it's that weird expectation that they're going to fail miserably. And even if they were to fail miserably and finish bottom of the East, people would still claim that they underperformed for the year. It, it, the, the expectations that surround this team just floor me sometimes because, it, I mean, you probably saw the, the power rankings on the league site before the first week happened <laughs> where the, the Red Bulls power ranking was a shrug emoticon. Because <laughs> who knows? Um, and, and that's fair. It will be a fun season because um, there, there's definitely something freeing and not having the 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 yoke of expectations as you refer to it but um you know it it will still end up being a a fun season in some ways with you know there will probably be a win streak somewhere and it will be a miserable season somewhere where they you know lose to Colorado on the road or something um it it'll it'll be a red bull season what more can you say <laughs> and what else could it what, be? What could it possibly be? Here's Billy G, who says, gentlemen, I'll preface this by saying that I know it was the only first game of the season. <laughs> that being said, I don't know about Grella. Is he the answer moving forward? I'm not so sure. His hustle was certainly admirable, but I thought he looked rusty at times, as did most of the team. Because it was week one. I honestly have no idea as to who should replace him. Zizou, maybe? I leave that decision to the professionals. I should not be more concerned about Miller's performance, but for some reason I'm not. Oh, I should be more concerned about Miller's performance. For some reason I'm not, because I feel that for every bad game, or two, or three, Roy has, he usually finds a way to turn it around eventually. Not like that. Great strike by Sam and another great game-saving performance by Robles. All, all in all, a decent result for a team that clearly needs time to gel. As always, keep up the great work, guys. Billy G from Section 231. Yeah, I mean, seven new players. And they looked like they were figuring each other out. And they did it on the road and got a point, which is a fair result anytime you go on the road. Uh, except maybe achieve us. Then you got to win. I said it! So... You know, I think I think Billy has his head on right. I, I thought, uh, you know, we talked about Grella in the first segment. He's going to take time to adjust. Don't know if he's ready for prime time, but we'll all figure it out together. We will. Um, it just it does feel a little familiar to me because I feel this again feels like the start of every season. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it's a slow start, and and I think the real thing for me in engaging how Jesse's system works is to see when it goes from. The middling results of you know draws and losses to starting something resembling a win streak um, because that has histor- that had historically been the problem under Mike um, yeah and certainly the team was not you know blazing it out the gates uh, in 2012 either so it, it's eh, I'm not ready to judge yet but I I do want to see improvement week over week yeah and I think I think that's what Jesse basically said during the uh during the the conference call this week is that yeah they did some things right there's a lot of room for improvement and they're looking forward to improving by the way new york now starts four out of six on the road uh i'm sorry excuse me four out of six at home my mistake so this would be a great time i mean the league really kind of gifted them the early part of the schedule usually they're on the road a lot during uh, during the first few months so they have four out of their next six at home dc montreal san jose and the Galaxy, not exactly an easy slate, maybe perhaps for San Jose, but um, we'll see. We'll certainly see. And, of course, since Kansas City's in the West, that's it. We don't see them again, of course, un- until MLS Cup. Here's uh, David Moera, who writes, Moera, apologies. Guys, just started listening to your podcast last year. Love it. And this is my first time emailing. 
First time writers, love it also. Just wanted to throw some questions your way about a number of different topics. Feel free to answer some, all, or none of the questions, or make up your own, whatever works for the show. What what a nice what a nice way to start your first email. Answer my question or don't or, or talk or about something else. Something smarter. Yeah, there you go. Um all right, so David appears to be a relatively new Red Bulls fan, and so he's asking the question, capital T, capital Q. So it's talked about all the time in the recent news that the blue team has sold 15,000 season tickets, comes to mind. What will attendance be like this year? I'm not an RBA employee, but how can we get more butts in the seats? Oh, we started in episode one with this. I theorize that the blue team will actually bring more exposure to MLS in the New York market, and that may actually help the Red Bulls in the long run. Let's talk about that point in particular, Dan. What do you think about that? Um, I think it will give them more visibility. I'm not sure that's going to translate to butts and seats. They, they will certainly benefit from more media coverage um, because I think a number of the major outlets are recognizing that, hey, wait, maybe we need to finally give soccer some resources and cover it normally. Um, that may even bu- bubble down to the cosmos, God forbid, um, but we'll see. Um, mm. But, you know, and I think there will remain you know, some level of casual interest in the team. But that season ticket number that the blue team has posted is going to be very difficult for the Red Bulls to hit, um, especially post on repost Cahill. Right. I mean, I don't know if the Red Bulls have had a number that high uh, since 96. I right. mean, that, that is a, that's a tremendous number for any, for any uh, MLS side. And you know the one th- among the things that I liked about the coverage this week is, I mean, the, to- the Times, the New York Times, ladies and gentlemen, had a page on Monday with Red Bulls news, Blue Team news, and Cosmos news in the same page at the same day. Did you frame it and put it on your wall, Mark? I know, I know how much I the Times to, bothers you. I sent it to, to, to Andrew Doss at the Times with a big. Uh, you know, with lipstick on it, saying "Attaboy, kid!" You know, way to go. I mean, I, I think I think New York soccer fans should be very excited about something like that. To be brutally honest with you, and and if now there's another team in the market that causes the New York so, uh, sports media to pay attention a little bit more, obviously, if they pay attention to one team and omit the Red Bulls, that's bad. But you know, I would imagine that the, the the Derby games are going to be very well covered. And hey, at least that's three games for the year for the Red Bulls that'll be very well covered. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the, the, this team, this other team, is there to lift all boats, and I think it'll do just that. They need to play a little faster. They were really slow. <laughs> okay, our last question of the night is from a good friend, and that's T Faust. When you're good friends with the folks at Seeing Red. You get your email read. Gents, while some first match rust was evident, and I was disappointed that Red Bulls were not able to capitalize on a 20-minute man advantage to take three points, I was also very encouraged by the quality and markedly different style of play I saw on the pitch. The controlled short passing game, ability to keep possession, and I'll say it, up-tempo soccer showed that Marsh has been able to implement this part of the plan to some degree. Aside from entertainment value, I think this approach will make Red Bulls a more difficult team to defend than in past years, and we should be less predictable and more quickly on the attack. Did you see things the same, and more importantly, as they progress, do you think the team will be able to generate wins with this approach? I'll tell you, I I was... 
the first 20 minutes, the the possession wasn't there. But as the first half wore on, and even into the second half, and New York held the majority of the possession. And the combat, the passing combinations that I saw, uh, I, I won't go all the way to say they were beautiful, but they were the early stages of a very, uh, very attractive soccer. And once uh, Sasha and Felipe start contributing on a daily basis, um, week in, week out, I think this will be a very uh, tough team to defend. Obviously, in the final third, they, they have to get sharper, but same thing can be said for most MLS teams um, based on this past weekend's play that aren't you know, Seattle or L.A. or Toronto. But, but frankly... Uh, I started to. See, I, I would agree with Tom, with uh, with Tom. I started to see the the seeds of something that could be really fun to watch. I think there there's certainly a grain of uh, possibility in there. You know, I'm looking over the the stats from the game again, and the the two things that stand out to me because you know their stats were better than Kansas City's on most measures. Yes, they were. Um, they were. But the two things that that leap out at me are that most of the shots came from the right side. I think there were two yep. from the left, that, or at least the, yes, the left but... side of the box. Um, so they definitely need a, a better threat on the left. And the other one, which is just astonishing, is that New York only completed 8% of their crosses. Um, I don't think Kansas City's defenders tower over New York, so something something there is a, a little amiss because that's a, that's a pretty low completed cross percentage. Um, but generally speaking, I mean... It it should be good, uh, but it needs to keep getting better. It, it I don't think they can rest on that week one performance. Yeah. No, and I, I, I you certainly heard the lack of satisfaction from Marsh uh, this week about uh, about the play. And I mean, listen, sixty five percent passing in the in the uh, attacking half, which was great. They had the possession, almost fifty seven percent possession for the game. And yeah, it's the first game. It's the first game in a new system. Uh, new system, excuse me, and they're going to take some time to figure it out. And um, I agree. I, that, that, that one stat uh, is glaring, 8% of crosses. But then you realize who's delivering the crosses. It's Roy Miller and Mike Grella, by and large, right? Yep. And so, right. <laughs> and so, so let's fix the, le- let's fix the left. Uh, maybe we can get t- uh, that Thierry Henry guy. I hear he's good. Mm. Oh, too soon. It's, I don't want to end the show like that. That's sad. <laughs> okay, let's blame the right, too, because I'm sure Chris Duvall or Lloyd Sam had to put in a cross somewhere. Clearly, clearly. It's both sides. Listen, it feels good for me that we're back, not just talking about the team, but reviewing games. We'll preview the games next week. We're going to have Mark de Grand Prix talking about the business side next week and what we can expect in the arena during the 20th season, what they have planned. Um, it's good to get back in the groove. It's good to get back after a week off, and we hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank... Uh, Brian Lewis of the New York Post for being our guest. We'd like to thank our great email writers. And we'll even like to thank Dave, who's out and about tonight. And I'm sure you'll be back before too long. So for Dan Dickinson, I'm Mark Fishkin saying thanks so much. We will be back to Preview DC next week. Good night, everybody. This has been Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com. Listen anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, and seeingredny.com.